Welcome to uh, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon and and Alan Niven. Uh, good day, Alan. How are you? I'm good this morning. How are you? Good, good. We are uh, we are here to uh, to discuss Autograph. The band has a new single out called Souls on Fire, which is a, a charity uh, single. The money going to the Trinity Health of New England, benefiting frontline nurses and healthcare uh, healthcare workers that are dealing. With the COVID pandemic, because because guitarist Jimmy Bell's wife works there, and so it is to support his wife. Now, uh, recently, the band Autograph played the Colorado Freedom Fest at the end of June, and as a bassist, Randy Ran, who is the interview today, mentions by the end of the night, the whole social distancing thing was sort of out the window as people got a little bit more inebriated. They started you know, bumping and grinding and stuff. Um, just real quick, uh, because as we're doing this, Great White played in North Dakota, and the media from Billboard to Variety to Fox News have been all over Great White saying, wow, what a horrible thing you've done. And yet for Autograph, nobody said anything. It sort of actually went under the radar. Um, why do you think that one band is trending on Twitter all around the world, getting all kinds of um, stares and looks, and another one who did the exact same thing is getting away scot-free. Well, let's, let's talk about the media first. Um, from the, the first obvious comment is that great writer of a greater profile than autograph. That's self-evident. Uh, but there's another aspect to this, and there's an old cliche that used to be bandied about about the media if it bleeds it leads and media has descended into um, a more tabloid form than maybe even before or those traditions have always run deep in Fleet Street in London and they're looking to catch eyes uh, bait clicks bait clicks um, get numbers because it's all about advertising and all about earning revenue. So if they can sensationalize something, if they can horrify people, uh, they're more likely to be able to get their ad revenue up. Um, so that's the media. Um, in terms of, is it a good thing to do? Um, well, let's distinguish to start with. Yes, there are two great whites. Um, part of me goes, well, that's nice. It takes two entities to go out and sing the songs that I wrote. Um, but no, there are two great whites. And the one that was in North Dakota was the Kendall great white. And the Jack Russell great white is staying home. And that is because they don't feel it's safe to be out there yet. Uh, Jack Russell is not necessarily the healthiest person on the planet and he's terrified of catching this bug because if he catches that bug he's fucking dead plain and simple um from my point of view not being 27 years old anymore i'm very careful about going out and i'm very careful about who i let into my home and i go to the supermarket once a week if i have to and when i do i wear a mask because i know if i catch this bug 
I'm not going to be in good shape. And that's a reality that I need to be intelligent about. And I wear a mask not because I'm going to breathe on other people. It's because I don't want other people to breathe on me. And I can't expect other people to wear a mask if I don't show the same simple, intelligent courtesy. So, and I hate wearing a mask. I mean, it's a joke. When I'm going down the aisle of the supermarket, my glasses fog up. I can't read anything. It's really uncomfortable. I don't like it. But I do it because I hope that other people will show me the same consideration because I don't want them breathing on me. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, I'm living in Arizona, number one in the world, baby. We got more of that COVID stuff than anybody else. Um, you know, well done, Arizona. Um, there are more, there's a mortality rate of about 4%. And I like to think that, you know, I'm not necessarily in the, uh, the 4% and, and I'm not going to get it. But it's just intelligent, not to wear a mask and not to go out and play a show right now where people cannot distance and cannot wear masks. It's not as if the great leader didn't give us a warning. He went to Tulsa, do your research. Everybody in Tulsa is saying we've got a spike here now that's probably been caused by the rally that the great leader had in Tulsa. And, you know, I know that uh, Mr. Kendall is a Trumpite. Um, and maybe the guy from Autograph is a Trumpite. And they have a casual attitude to this. But the fact of the matter is that people are dying from this thing. And I don't want to be one of them. And I look at this situation as be smart. Wear a mask. Don't go play gigs where people can't keep separate. I mean, we talked to Doro Pesh not so long ago. And she had a great idea of having people come in their cars and sit in their cars. And she had a big gig with loads of cars and people had a good time and there were apparently no problems. Just be smart about what you're doing. Um, plain and simple, I think Mr. Kendall was fucking stupid. Let me, well, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, though, because uh, a lot of the media reports are blaming Great White 100%. It's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. And I personally, as a fan... I would not have gone to this show. I don't care right now if it's Great White or Kiss or Metallica or anybody I like. Scorpions, White. I'm staying home. So how much, I mean, shouldn't the blame be shared? Like when the media is saying Great White was bad for doing this, shouldn't they also say the local health authorities were bad for allowing it? The fans that showed up? Let me stop you right yeah, there. Yeah, okay. Let me ask. I'm just asking. Let me stop you right Let me stop you right there. Bien sûr. Uh, the, I think uh, Mr. Kendall's um, unit had their PR person put out a, uh, a statement last night, which I perused. And um, I suppose, you know, you can't afford the greatest PR people these days. You're going to get lame, lame statements. Um, the one thing, I, there were two things in the statement that, that lit up to me. One was that they'd had assurances from the local authorities that everything was going to be fine. I'm just waiting for the wise ass to say, well, I suppose those are the similar kind of assurances that the manager and the owners of the station club gave to the band. The bottom line is this. 
is that you're responsible for your own decisions. And if you decide to let off pyro in an unsafe environment, and a club is an unsafe environment, full stop, then you have to own that decision. If the local authorities say, oh, it's fine, the president says so, you still own the decision to go and play the gig. You don't put it off on somebody else. You are the host. These are your guests. They pay to come and see you. If you really care about them, think about their safety. And just to push it off on somebody else is fucking lame. So now you're not just stupid, you're stupid and lame. I'm going to add this because I I don't think you're aware of this, but uh, Ron Young from Little Caesar posted on his Facebook about Great White and then people back and forth have been going, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And fans have brought up the uh, Rhode Island fire and stuff. And Ron responded this, and I don't think I've sent you this, but he said uh, of uh, the Great White Rhode Island thing, my friend errantly took the fall for that debacle. And now, of all bands, they should be smarter, meaning Great White right now. I'm jumping on the bandwagon because I remember that so-called innocent night. I was the production manager at the Key Club in L.A. when that first tour came through. I literally had to grab their so-called pyro, in quotations, and pull it off stage. Good thing I did. Bad judgment seems to follow these guys no matter who's in the band. So what I get from that, and I, and I think it's quite clear, is that this thing in Rhode Island, the pyro wasn't just some random mistake. They were overloading those cannons, and it was a tinderbox ready to explode, and that he saved the key club from the same disaster because he, as a production manager, was smart enough to say, dude, you can't have this much firepower in a tiny club. Um what do you think of that assessment in that post? I think Ron is absolutely on point, and I think I just said it. I think if we're going to talk, if we're going to go back to the firing situation, pyro in a club is a stupid thing to do. Uh, it's stupid on so many levels. It's unsafe. The other point I have is you're playing a club. Where the fuck do you think you are? Do you think you're going on stage at the LA Coliseum where you needed? other aspects of showmanship to make a show because you're in such a big venue, hence pyro. Um, you don't take pyro into a club. It's a dumb and stupid thing to do. And had I been managing the band at that time, which I wasn't, it wouldn't have happened. And I think I made the point. It's stupid. And to say, well, you know, everybody said it'd be all right. Well, that's lame as well. Because you, and I'll say it again, you have to own your own decisions. And I cannot disagree with what Ron says, because what I see is stupidity. Oh, and yeah. unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me, given that I know some of those people involved as well as I do. And the fact that we have the great leader in the Oval Office. I mean, you know, did I not say we had... A warning from that guy. He went to Tulsa. There was a spike in Tulsa after his uh, um, rally there. I mean, you know, hello, guys. You know, just watch out for that. 
I mean, are you that desperate to get out and play that you don't even think about your audience's safety? I mean, you know, Jack Russell is being smart and intelligent. He's keeping his band home. He's not going out until it's safe. Smart thinking. You know, yeah. there's somebody who's learned something. You know, with, with Mr. Kendall, I, I mean, what do you expect? You know, he's going to vote Trump. That tells you all you need to know. And this is not a matter of policy. It's a matter of do you associate and support somebody who is unethical and who's a known crook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just stupidity. We live in an age where stupidity has been encouraged to come out into the sunlight by the great leader in the, in, in the Oval Office. Uh, and I, I will, before we get over to Randy, I'm going to just say this for myself. Uh, and, I, and I said at the beginning of the show, I don't care who's playing. I'm not going to a show right now. And you, you can tell me it's a hoax or it's not a hoax. I don't care what it is. I'm just not going to go to a show. That period. So you can you can tell. Throw, yeah. Tell the 140,000 American families who have lost a family member and buried them recently that it's a hoax. No, yeah. it's not a hoax. No, no, People yeah. are dying. Yeah, and 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 you know? uh, I don't care about the uh, the internet medical or the internet virologists or whatever. Mitch Lafon is not going to a show. Period. End of story. So I'm taking my personal responsibility. I'm sitting at home with the dog. I'm good. I'll talk rock and roll all day. But I, you know, I was invited recently to a Bon Jovi tribute band uh, downtown Montreal. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> I love Bon Jovi, but no, I'm just not doing it. Anyway, I don't know what they're doing in, in North Dakota. Uh, all I know is if I was in North Dakota, I would have been right here in front of the computer, talking to you, and there you go. Anyway, um, shall we get over to uh, to Randy Ran of uh, Autograph, their new single, Souls on Fire, benefiting the Trinity Health of New England, where new guitarist Jimmy Bell's wife works. Here is the one and only Randy. We are speaking with Autograph's Randy Ran. The new single is Souls on Fire. Uh, Randy, as we say in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? <laughs> bonjour back. Uh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing just fine. A little, little crazy from the boredom, but uh, all good. <laughs> crazy from the boredom, yeah. And, and I was just uh, mentioning to you off air, uh, I got a chance to see Autograph uh, at the Brass Monkey in Ottawa, uh, I guess a year or two ago. What a phenomenal, phenomenal show. I mean, the, the, this band, Autograph, is definitely a live entity. You, you just delivered. Um, so, so kudos for you on that. But So let me just, before we get to the single, let's just talk about that. You haven't had a chance really to play a lot these days, obviously. Uh, you did do the, uh, the Freedom Fest in Colorado, which we'll talk about too. But what does that mean for a band like Autograph to not be able to go to a brass monkey, to a whatever bar, uh, how, how devastating or how, what does it mean to you? It's, uh, it's driving us crazy, to tell you the truth, because we'll, we'll get to the point where we got a gig like two weeks away from now and just before we buy an airfare, go, oh, that got postponed. It's, it just, it's like standing on the edge, just waiting to see if it's going to happen or not. Because with Jimmy, we've only, uh, we've only done like five shows together and that's horrible for like a year, you know? 
Yeah, you, you you added Jimmy on my birthday last year, and you haven't been able to play which out. Is cool. Which is very cool, by the way. Thank you for that uh, birthday gift from, from Autograph. But, um, <laughs> and, and I do want to focus on the band, but I want to get a little bit of the social context on this. Do you think that uh, if this COVID thing goes on, that a lot of these places, again, like the Brass Monkey, will exist in six months from now or, or, or a year from now? And if they start closing up, as the media is saying, 85% of the clubs are going to close, what does a band like Autograph do? Well, we do a lot of festivals. Um, we do more festivals than we do bars, actually. So if the festivals can go on, then we're fine. Um, I think in ratio, we'll probably do 10% of our gigs in bars. Most of them are like the MRC, um, Muscles of Rock Cruise, or always like Freedom Fests and those kind of things. So we, we mainly do the, the bigger stages most of the time. But bars bars can't close. What, what are people supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, what are they supposed to do? Just hang out in their house all, all their own? Oh, no good. Yeah, they, they can, uh, they can uh, stay at home and listen to uh, Get Off Your Ass over and over and over again. But all right, let's, let's talk about this single. <laughs> the, uh, the single, of course, is uh, raising money for one of the mm-hmm. charities. Um, talk to me about uh, putting out this single and what it means for the band to be able to give back to the community. Well, what it is is um, uh, Trinity Health of New England was, uh, that's Jimmy uh, Bell's um, fiance. She's one of the heads of uh, the nursing there. And uh, Just, she's working like 17 to 20 hours a day, you know, in the COVID. By the way, I can't, I can't hear you very clearly right now. Oh, okay. There we go. Oh, a hundred times. Yes. Right. Go ahead. All right. A- excellent. Okay, so what I was saying is that Trinity Health of New England um, is um, Jimmy Bell's um, fiance and um, Mandy, and we just saw how hard she was working all the time, and and so did he. So we thought it'd be kind of nice to split some money with these guys, you know, because they they deserve it. That that was that was the main reason we did that because it's just like first responders, man. I, I got give them kudos, all of them. Yeah, you really do. And, and uh, now, is this single just sort of a, a, a one-off, or is it a song that's going to appear on the next new autograph album? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. We we did this. We uh, recorded this um, before COVID nineteen, um, and for some reason, we just had a feeling things were getting weird. And, and this is the first time Jimmy wrote with us, and uh, Jimmy just brings a whole new style to autograph. Now, it's, you hear it on, on Souls on Fire. So he, you know, he he gave us this idea of the guitar riffs and all that stuff, and then Simon Daniels came up with the lyrics and some guitar parts on that too. And I added my parts, and of course, um, Mark always has the greatest drum stuff. Plus, he's a engineer and has a studio, so that helps a lot. It actually does. All right, so let's talk about Jimmy. Uh, Steve last year decides that he's going to go off and do a project with with his wife or fiance and fiance, yeah, huh? fiance he leaves the band after x amount of years one of the founders uh first of all was that a shock to you did, did did you ever say to sort of say to steve hey why not just take you know three months and just go explore this and then come back to us or was it like yeah all right, all right leave and too bad how, how did you take that that announcement that he's going to walk away after being there since the 80s well, what it is, is me, me and him have known each other for like 35 years, you know? So it's like when he said he wanted to move on with, with his fiance and, and he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm just kind of tired of playing these songs. And I went, you know what? I got you, dude. I'm not, I'm not tired of it. 
and I like uh, inventing stuff. So at, at first there was a little bit of bad blood, but it, it honestly went away really quick. And having Jimmy come in right after Steve left, which they're really good friends, to tell you the truth, Steve and, and Jimmy are really good friends. So it, it's like, it was kind of just a, a cool turnover. And, you know, we still talk, we're, we're all fine. But yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock when he came in and said, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. And okay. And the funny part is now he's not with his fiance. <laughs> Oops. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, is that you, you know, Tom Hazard and, and uh, Dave Ellison, they step up with the EMP label group and they, they, they sign the band you put off uh, or get off your ass. Great album from, I guess, 2017, 2018. Yeah, great, yeah, great, great sounding yeah. Ba- album. I mean, uh, I did the interviews with Steve back then. I heard it. Then you went on tour and we, you, come, you come to Ottawa. Great stuff. Um, yeah. What does it mean now to sort of have to rebuild with Jimmy? Do you sort of just move on and you still do autograph music in that classic style? Or you go, hey, you know what? We've got a fresh coat of paint in here. Let's just, you know, push the boundaries out and let's move what autograph is. That's that's what we really want to do. Because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's become kind of stale. And so when Jimmy came in, tell that to he Angus Young. <laughs> What's that? I said, tell that to Angus Young. No. Yeah, um. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, but, what, what, was, what was cool too about Jimmy is him and uh, Simon, because Simon's a hell of a guitar player too. When they both play together, it's a different attack. It's, there's a different energy to it. And that, kind of, that really sparks. Like, like you asked the question, is this a one off? Probably not. <laughs> we just that was the first song we wrote together as as the new band, and that's kind of the direction we're going. A little bit heavier. It's, it's fun, man. It's really powerful on stage. Oh, it really is. So, so what does Jimmy bring? Because of course he's been with House of Lords for many years, and there. In fact, is he still with House of Lords? Because when I last interviewed the the lead singer for the for that band, they were like. Well, we don't really know if he's still with us or not. Um, has he announced to you that he's left that band and he's dedicated to Autograph? Well, he's, he, he told us he's dedicated to us, so I don't know if he left it or not. It's like right now, if you if you can go play a gig with someone who we're not playing, we got no problem with that. You know, if he wants to go play some gigs with House of Lords, we got no problem at all with that. Because I like that band anyway. Good band. It's a great band. In fact, you should probably should do a, a double bill, quite frankly. Why oh, not? That'd be awesome. No, Jimmy, Jimmy would love that. <laughs> he loves playing with two different bands a night. He would love doing that. <laughs> and, and and two paychecks don't hurt. No, but but okay. So so paychecks. absolutely not. So what does he bring though in terms of style? Because Steve had a great style. I mean, you know, there was a story yeah. of how Steve auditioned for Kiss back in nineteen eighty, whatever it was, three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, what does Jimmy bring that Steve didn't have and, and what does Steve have that maybe Jimmy uh, is bringing something different to? Well, there's, there's not a comparison. They're just, they're both great players and they both have great styles. And that's, that's not stroking you, man. This is the truth. I mean, it's like playing with Steve Lynch is great. Playing with Jimmy Bell is great, but they're two complete, unbelievably great guitar players. So it's, it really, I really can't judge that way. You know what I mean? It's um, Jimmy brings a heavier, a little bit heavier than uh, Lynch was. Lynch is more of, of a, I don't know, a concentrated player where Jimmy's kind of like, just let it go crazy. And that, that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun for us. Now, since you've only played about five or six live shows since he's joined, where do you see sort of the classic autograph songs going in that live context? Do, do you 
tell them, hey, Jimmy, just go be Jimmy and do whatever? Or do you say, hey, no, 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 this is how Steve plays it. Turn up the radio sounds this way. Don't experiment. You know, do you, do you tie his hands no, we, or do you let him go? No, we let him go. Um, like I said, if you even come close to, I mean, make it close as you possibly can, like when you turn up the radio and stuff. It's, but you don't have to do it exactly. And then he doesn't do it exactly, but it sounds freaking great. You know, yeah, we, we kind of let him, you know, go, go on his own. Um, just quickly, the uh, Freedom Fest in Colorado, you played that recently. One of the first shows since this COVID thing. What was that experience like in terms of everything? Were were you scared? Were you, uh, was the fans scared? Was the promoter, you know, was there a fear or, or and then of course you had a whole, the whole social distancing. So you have less people in the audience. What was the experience of yeah. the um, Freedom Fest in Colorado like? To tell you the truth, it was just so fun to get out and play again that yeah, it was odd, you know, because all the benches were like six feet apart and only four people could sit on a bench. And but by by the end of the night, this is Colorado, man. It's like you know, pot's legal and uh, drinking is a, a nonstop thing in, in Colorado. So by the time we came on, everyone was pretty toasted and it was fun. You know, the, the, the social distancing kind of went away when we just started to turn up the radio. It's like everybody came to the front of the stage. So it was kind of fun. Right. Um when everybody sort of comes up to the stage like that and then the social distancing goes out the window as a band, do, do you become sort of scared? Like, Hey, you know, I don't want to be no. sick at it. No. So you were, you were good. No, with believe it. it or not. No. I'm good with it. I, I live in Georgia, uh, north of, uh, of Atlanta. And most of the people here don't even wear masks and no, no one's dying fast, fast here at, at all. See, so it's like, we kind of opened up the state a long time ago and it's like, it's not really hurting anybody. So I'm used to that. So, you know, watching people in Colorado with their masks on at first and you're trying to drink your beers and trying to drink your shots, the, the masks came off pretty fast. But, you know, it's, it's I don't know what COVID-19 really is. It's just there's too many things in my brain to to make fun of it all, but except for the people dying. That's the only thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very strange phenomenon, and and I have the Canadian perspective where you know we look at the states every day and we go, what the hell's going on down there? They they seem to be on fire, um, but I guess I guess yourself being in Georgia, you don't you're not really concerned. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair to say. It's like, and I'm in that age group where I'm not supposed to, you know, I, I could easily get it, but I haven't <laughs> social distances or worn a mask for four months and I got, never got sick. So I just wonder what it's all about. Yeah. So um, in terms of, of the bands, the band and the band's future, do, is it time for, for you to start announcing a, a, a run of shows and just get back on the road and do 20 gigs across 20 different States? Are, are we at that point yet? Well, almost. I, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I think it's not going to happen until next year. But we we got all we tons of postponed stuff from this year. We got England, we got Puerto Rico, got a lot of Florida stuff. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming up next year already. So it's like it's kind of filling itself in before we even have to ask a booking agent to book some more stuff. So I think uh, 2021 is going to be when we get to go do our runs, 20 shows, 40 shows, whatever it is. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get you back to the M3 festival. Um, 
which is a great, great place to play. Uh, in terms of new album, when do you think you might actually sit down and say, okay, let's write these 10 songs? Because Simon has brought a, a great voice to the band. I mean, the, the guy yes. sings like a motherfucker, let's be honest. He sure does, man. <sighs> yeah, he, he does, man. Powerful, powerful guy, man. Well, yeah. And not only that, he's, what, he's a poet on top of it all, which is like, that dichotomy doesn't happen very often. You know what I mean? It's like, He's, he's, I mean, he was he was raised in, in uh, Rio de Janeiro, you know, it's tough tough place, and he, he brings that to America, and he loves America, loves America. It's, and he just says anyone that doesn't like America that comes here, he has no time for, which I love, and uh, because he can say that, man, he, you know, he's a Jewish Swiss guy from Rio. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Hello. Hey, yeah, you can't hear me. Look at that. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, a technical technical difficulties <laughs> that, that is me uh, pushing the cough button and not realizing i didn't unpush it uh oopsie <laughs> well you know listen uh, i i had cortisone shots uh, in the last couple of days for my back and so i'm a little loopy um but uh, let me just get back to this uh, when we deal with classic rock bands uh over the years yeah. uh fans have a tendency to say well you know if if ace ain't there it ain't kiss if if so and so, it ain't ain't there. It ain't so and so, and I've heard that about Steve Plunkett. And they go, "Well, if Steve Plunkett's not there, it's not autograph." And then I say, "Well, you know what? Go see the band with Simon and try to tell me that afterwards. What has he meant for the band? Because you know, as a classic band with a lineup change, if you had picked the wrong singer, it would have been over. We've been in trouble." Oh, you, you would have been in trouble. And listen, <laughs> you know, we've talked about this Brass Monkey thing, but when I went to see you, I heard the album. Uh, there was, an, I think, an EP or something just before. So I was ready yeah. for the music, uh-huh. but I wasn't ready for the performance. I thought, oh, God, this is this is either going to be a, a total clusterfuck or it's going to be brilliant. Turns out it was brilliant. And I think a lot of uh-huh. that had to do with Simon. So, so what oh, has yeah. he meant to you in terms of moving the band forward into a, a new era of autograph? Well, what I love about Simon, and which I always will love about Simon, he's Simon. He, he's never changed. Great guy. Um, first time I heard him sing, I went, that, that's the guy for us, man. That bluesy voice, that powerful bluesy voice. And plus, I like Jailhouse anyway. They, they were a good band, too. And that's where he came from. And it was just an interesting story. First time I met him, some, someone said, you know, Simon, uh, try out for this band autograph. And he said, okay. So we, we talked a little bit on the phone. And I, I said, come out of this bar at Marina Del Rey and, and let, let's meet each other. And so he came down to Marina Del Rey and we're walking into this cool bar, really cool bar. And the minute we walked in, every waitress head turned and looked at him. And I said, that's my freaking front man. <laughs> that's him, man. Get, get them looking at him. Um yeah, he, great guy. Let me ask you this. Uh, Mark joins in 2014. Jimmy joins in 2019. Simon, 2013. If it got a time where maybe you get sick with the COVID or you, you get a little bit older, would you be okay if the band would go on without you and just have sort of an autograph 2.0? I mean, I know Blackfoot does it. Um, is that oh, I got, right? Dude, I got- I got no problem. That, that's why I came back. I, I wanted the history to go on a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Because we did the three albums, um, and then plus uh, Plunkett released uh, Missing Pieces, which he didn't ask us about. But anyway, that's another story. And then I just figured, you know, I still got a lot of playing to do. 
and I love being on stage and I love writing and it's like, yeah, yeah, if I get to be like 75 or something like that and I'm done with it, sure, go on, guys. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, Blackfoot uh, moved on with a whole new lineup and, and I think they sound great, quite frankly. Um, since you mentioned cool. missing, yeah, yeah. Since you mentioned missing pieces, that was that demo collection that that um, Steve, I guess, made a deal with Pavement Music for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking back on that, other than the fact that you were sort of cut out in the decision making, maybe some of the performances may or may not be up to your standards, and you go, "Oh, you shouldn't really be releasing that." My, you know, that that note sounds bum. Um, what, how do you look at those at those albums now that, that now that it's out now that it's sort of been twenty years in fact twenty three years in this case um, mm-hmm. are you have you sort of come to terms with it like it's okay I mean the music there is good and I'm uh, glad I, it's I, out there I'm, I'm, I come to terms I come to terms with everything after a while <laughs> you know what I mean it's just uh, but Plunkett's Plunkett is like uh, I, I've known him since the seventies because we were in a band called Wolf Gang together like from 74 to 79. And so I've known him forever. I've done many, many soundtracks with him, done many, many, um, you know, just tapes and stuff with him. That, that's why Autograph got back together again, because Steve Blunt could call me when I was uh, doing Lita Ford's second album in New York. He said, do you want to go on tour with Van Halen? And I said, yeah, Steve, why not? And the best, the best part about that was I didn't even know three, three of the guys in the band. And then we just, we had three rehearsals, got in a Winnebago and opened up for Van Halen and the nineteen eighty four tour in front of fourteen thousand people, very first gig. Wow, you, you can't complain opening up for, for Van Halen. In in twenty in twenty thirteen when when you when the band starts doing the reunion stuff again, uh Steve Plunkett says, Nah, not gonna do it. Uh, w- was that a major setback for the band or was that like, Okay, well fine, we'll just get somebody else. Yeah, that- well, I'll be honest with you. I thought we were only going to do like maybe, you know, a Monster of the Rock cruise and a couple other gigs. That's what I thought. And that's all I thought. And that's why we brought uh, Kenny Richards back, the, the original drummer. But his back problems were so bad he couldn't get through two songs. So we had to let him go. And, uh, and not having Plunkett, I went, it's probably going to be a little tough not having him. But let's just let's just reform and use the word, uh, use the name autograph because we're still doing big choruses. We're still doing this. And, and, I, th- I thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun just to, to reinvent the band. It, it was a blast. Yeah, and it, and it and it goes to show that uh, brand trumps band every single time. Um, <clears throat> how important is new music to Autograph? Because you can, of course, go out there and play the M3 Festival and Monsters of Rock, and you can do turn up the radio. In fact, you'll probably play it ten times in the set, and people would would love it for the ten times in a row. <laughs> Yeah, they, they probably would. They probably would. I mean, you know, listen, if you played rock and roll all night 10 times in a row, I'd, I'd be fine with that too. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> at some point when you've got Mark there and you've got Jimmy there and you've got Simon there, that band, this lineup has to have an identity and you have to say, okay, we're not just playing that song from 20 years ago. Um, how important is it to have something fresh and new and have, you know, in the set list five or six or seven songs that are from this lineup what it does is it injects a new energy to the band you know so like just playing the same songs over and over again that i played you know in the 80s that, that gets stale after a while not, not that i hate the songs or anything it's just when a new blood comes in it's like all the new all the songs now like i've got a different meaning they just feel better and they feel different and it's just it's just i don't know 
that injection of new blood sometimes is really cool. It just really is cool. Yeah, it really is. Um, when you look back at the at the major hits and stuff, where do you think Autograph went wrong? Where you didn't ha- you, you couldn't take you couldn't capitalize on Turn Up the Radio, this big FM hit. It's on all the compilations. Where was the disconnect? Where where you couldn't get to that next level? You couldn't get to be the Motley Crew. You couldn't get to be the Def Leppard. Was it just because RCA was a was a shit label? Yeah. That's one of the reasons. And plus, <laughs> Let's be honest. This is called yeah. the honest interview. Honestly, yeah. Well, I, I've been with a lot of record companies, and yeah, they were they were good at first until everyone started disappearing, and it, we just kind of went on the back burner. And not only that, is we didn't want to, we didn't want to do Turn It to Radio first. We wanted to do a couple other songs and then Turn It to Radio. But they said, no, 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 no. Here's that song we didn't really want on the album anymore, but it's going up the charts because <laughs> they didn't want the song on the album anyway. And uh, we really wanted to release just a couple of cool songs just so people could get to know who we were. We didn't have to chart. I just wanted to let people know we have more than just one song. So that's the ball got dropped that way. I thought I thought we needed to, you know, kind of come in and say, here, here we are as autograph and here's a couple songs like us or not like us and then throw in turn up the radio because we the minute we. Did turn it to radio. We knew it was a hit. We just knew it. I absolutely knew it. And by the way, the the only good thing about being on RCA as a rock band, it means that you weren't on MCA as a rock band, which was which was <laughs> even which was even worse. Yeah. Oh, no, c- c- could you imagine having been on MCA? If you had been on MCA, no. I guarantee we wouldn't be talking today because nobody would know who you are 20 years later. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Oh, my That's God. Really Worst fucking rock label in, in the history of, of, of music. Um, uh, okay, so did, where, where, so where do we go in, in 2020? Do we just sort of wait it out? Is that is that sort of the plan right now, is just to sort of wait it out? Yeah, we, we have like, like five other gigs booked, and we're just not quite sure if they're going to come through or not. I would love to do at least one or two more before the year's over. And then... You know, hopefully next year everything's gonna be fine again. But I don't know. It's it's, it's horrifying, is what it is. It's like take away our livelihoods. D- damn you! <laughs> take away a lot of people's livelihood. It's uh, it's kind of scary because you're just like going, well, I really don't want to go get a real job. Screw that. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of real job, you you did have this thing as uh, you were making leather. You were a leather maker. You were doing all kinds of great stuff. Is that something you still do? No, you know what it is? After 25 years of doing that, I can't even stand the smell of leather. It's just because I walked to my factory every day, and all you could smell was raw leather, and it really got sickening after a while. And and, and plus, it's just like, I really don't want to have to deal with employees and all that stuff anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll do leather work for myself or, or a friend or something, but doing that as a, as a, a job anymore, nah. I mean, the only time I made money is when I worked with... Uh, Easy Rider and Harley Davidson. I made a lot of money off of those people. That was cool. Well, hey, working with Harley is cool as hell. Um, okay, so, <laughs> so so does that mean that at this point, then uh, autograph playing out live is the only source of income? I mean, is there something else that that sustains, or is this like, well, if COVID doesn't open stuff up soon, I'm going to be in trouble? Well, yeah, because we're not selling merch. We're not. We're not yeah. um, getting gigs. It's just. It's, it's like it's dead. It's, it's like. You know, take hundreds of thousands of dollars away from us. It's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I can't survive on, on eight dollars and sixteen cents. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I, but I, I really can't imagine. And 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 the 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 sort of irony is for me as somebody who does interviews. 
I've never been busier because everybody's at home, which is <laughs> good, but it also it's but ultimately it's bad because ultimately we're most of the interviews start being tell me about the history of the band and there's not a lot of hey tell me about the great concert you've got coming up tell me about the great new album right. and I'm not doing those exactly. interviews anymore it's like so in 1977 when you released Grand Alou <laughs> But hey, at least at least exactly. people are home. At least people are home. Um, Randy, a, a great pleasure to, to talk to you again. Uh, and uh, of course, Souls on Fire, available now through uh, Tom Hazart and Dave Ellison's label. Great little label, by the way. A lot of fun. Yeah, great little Great guys, great guys. Yeah, and, and if I could just con- uh, convince Tom and or Dave to set me up with a Post Malone interview, then we'd really have something. But uh, <laughs> There you go. I'm they, sure that can happen. <laughs> yeah, they're his friend. I know they're going to listen, so I'm, I'm throwing it out there. But uh, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Randy. And, of course, folks, uh, go check out that song and uh, do support your bands and support Autograph. Uh, last album, uh, Get Off Your Ass uh, in 2017. Great little fucking disc. Uh, pick it up and thank uh, merci, Monsieur. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, dude. Anytime. Absolutely. Call whenever you're lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Yeah, because hey, well, why not? Let's do more interviews and let's keep promoting this stuff. And uh, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah, right. Have a good day, man. You too.